Hello, and welcome to Where Am I To Go podcast. Today, before we start the show, I would like to bring up some business things that have kind of been on my mind so that you can know where to get more Where Am I To Go. First off, I'd like to talk about the Facebook page at Where Am I To Go podcast. It's on Facebook, and we've been posting some wonderful pictures of some of the places that we've been and some of the adventures that we've had. Not everything that we go and do is made into a podcast, and so we take pictures at different places and post those pictures so that you guys can enjoy some of the different places we've been. Also, I really am interested in listener feedback. I have an email address at where am I to go podcast at gmail.com. Again, that is where am I to go podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear some of the listeners' comments and some of their ideas of places that might be interesting to visit and go and do. Today we're at a museum that I have wanted to go to for many years. We are talking with Terry, and it is the Bigfoot Museum in Willow Creek, California. So welcome, Terry, and uh, uh, we're going to have fun today. There you go. Tell me a little bit about Willow Creek, just to get us started. Well, Willow Creek used to be a little mining and logging town. Okay. And anymore, it's more of a tourism town. Okay. It's a cute little town and in a beautiful area. This this part of California, I've been really impressed with. It's gorgeous. Only 550 feet elevation. Oh, really? Yeah. We're, we're, we don't hardly get any snow here. If we get a snow, you know, it's like this, and it's gone the next day. Really? But all the mountains around us are just pure white, and it's just beautiful. Wow. The little museum was started in 1988 by a group of local citizens who did bake sales and rummage sales. And they opened it up in 89, and at that time it was from the staircase up, and we rent the building. In about 19... I believe it was 91, they built the downstairs, and then we were offered some footprints from a gentleman, and Bob Titmus, but we had to have a place to store them, so we got a grant, and we put in the Bigfoot Room in 2000. And it's okay. a big hit, it's a big hit, you get people from all over the world coming for the Bigfoot Room. Cool. Mm-hmm. And and I kind of walked through there. You've got some pretty neat castings. We're going to talk about those later. Okay. And and what about the, the uh, actual stuffed mounted Bigfoot that... Oh, that doesn't happen. <laughs> no way! Uh-uh. That has solved the mystery. We can't do that. No. No mystery. <laughs> okay. Well, let's kind of get started here with some of the artifacts that you have in this museum. When we first walk in, the thing that you've got that's going to be so much fun when I get through with this podcast is you've got, what, probably 15, 20 different styles of shirts, glow-in-the-dark Bigfoot shirts. Mm-hmm. Uh, regular shirts and some of that and so that's when you first walked in and I'm gonna be leaving here where I'm sure with a with a few <laughs> t-shirts just because so anyway you've got a lot of artifacts from the mining days and yes, that type of stuff so let's just kind of go through some of these cases and and talk a little bit about some of the things you have well right here these two cases have both been they're not donated they've been loaned we can't take any more loans anymore Okay. But these two have been loaned. One belongs to Peggy McWilliams, the other to Steve Payne, both locals. 
And they, they, some of them go way back. I don't know the years on some of this stuff, but it goes way back. And the, that case over there, of course, is all World War II. Well, I was I, when I was looking at it, I was highly intrigued with uh, with the top case that you have here, and you've got a bunch of Chinese artifacts yes, that sir. you said were found on a sandbar or something. Some of these were found in sandbar in eighteen hundreds. They brought a lot of the Chinese people up from San Francisco to help mine the gold. Okay. And some of this, the few of these, I mean, a couple of these, I imagine, were donated by other people, but a lot of these were found in the sandbar. A little bit of everything in here. And it's really interesting. And she's got some, some paper bills. She's got some opium tins. She's got an opium pipe, mm -hmm. uh, a sake cup, an old teapot, a fan, a fruit bowl, and, and some other food containers. It's just really kind of a neat display of, of some of the things that the Chinese had. And our old candy case. Don't forget our old candy case. Right. And where did it come from? Dixon, Borgeson & Company, San Francisco, California, Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. And it is a neat... Uh, she's got lots of cases in here that are antique yeah, was, and, and very cool. This was donated by the Arcata Community Recycling Center. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. So somebody must have turned it in to get recycled. <laughs> that could be. <laughs> but then in the case below that, she's got a lot of... Uh, a lot of little artifacts like a juice harp and a flask and a matchbox, some toy guns, uh, some old doorknobs that are that are kind of cool, and some old 12-gauge shells. Those are brass, it looks like, mm -hmm. from the old days before they started making the, the paper and the plastic shotgun shells. Those are pretty hard to come by. You yes. don't see those very often. And then you've got a small military display. That's and on top of that... We have lime sticks. <laughs> Tell me about these lime sticks, because this is cool. There is a creek that comes down locally, and when the water splashes onto the tree branches, it forms these lime sticks, which are calcium carbonate, which really, if you come right down to it, is chalk. And all these little lime sticks, if you look at them, they've all got pieces of wood in them that where they've broken them off, we've broken them off the little tree. Okay, and then she did take on a on a little piece of cardboard and started drawing with it, and I mm -hmm. went, "Wow, that is just like chalk." Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, is that what chalk's made from? Calcium carbonate. I, I, okay. We used to have a um, yeah science science fair water calcium cal carbonate and bicarbonate in water. Okay, and so this is what the teachers used back in the old school, right? <laughs> they just went and picked a, a twig off the tree? Before they had man-made chalk, I would imagine they did. Well, that's pretty cool. And and I have not ever seen any of that before. You've got another case here with some hair clippers, uh, souvenir postcards, some children's clothing. Some those old shoes. Yeah, those shoes are and cool. Lace-up boots. This is what I like. Oh, You've got one of the old wicker wooden wheelchairs. Yeah. Those are always, always cool. I can't imagine they were comfortable. No, it doesn't look like they were. <laughs> I'm assuming that by the time you went to bed at night, you'd have a checkerboard on your back from <laughs> uh -huh. all the wicker. Yeah, because it's all wicker on them. Right. And then you've got a small uh, typewriter camera display. Now, I see a camera over here. Is this the kind of camera that the, that the videos of the Bigfoot was taken with? Uh, I, I do have, no, but I do have Eric Beckford's camera, but I don't see it in here, so it's probably in storage right now. Who's Eric Beckford? Eric Beckford had a cryptozoology down south, down in L.A. County. 
Okay. And he helped Mrs. Patterson copyright the Patterson-Gimmon film. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. So. And when you say cryptozoology, we're talking about all things Bigfoot, uh, Loch Ness Monster, yes. UFOs. Uh, I've got a ton of his stuff that was donated by his girlfriend. Uh, we got to end up with 14 big boxes. Really? Yeah. And that's that's all written material, or is that... Uh, yeah, i got uh, VCR tapes. See, when he helped Mrs. Patterson, she gave him a copy of the original Patterson-Gimlin film. And we now have that. Um, Mr. Bill Munns from down south came up with Animal Plant when they come up for their three-hour grand finale. Uh-huh. And he authenticated our film. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's, of course, it's over in the vault at this bank. We don't have it here, but... Now, this is the film that everybody's familiar with where... You see Bigfoot walking through kind of a clear cut or a bunch of fallen mm -hmm. logs, and then the Bigfoot turns and looks at at the film uh, to see what taker, was going on, and then turns and, and continues yeah. walking on. I asked Bob Gimlin when he was he was here. I was showing him a copy of our copy of the film. I said, and I stopped it right at that point. I says, "What we call her Patty? What was Patty looking at?" He says, "Oh, she wasn't looking at anything. She was winking at me." Oh, he's a character. <laughs> I just love him. <laughs> okay. And then we've got a couple sewing machines, and then we have something that is really cool. I wish I could even begin to describe it, but I'm going I'm to give my attempt here. We've got an old saw that's a reciprocating saw, kind of like a sawzall. But this saw is on a frame that's about three and a half foot long. It uh, is triangular, has a single cylinder motor on it with a big flywheel, a chain, and that's what drives the reciprocating saw. Now, on the wall, we have a picture, uh, or several pictures, of guys doing logging with this saw. I figured that these saws were always set up and just used as gravity to, to go down through a log. But this, these pictures are all showing these guys holding this saw that I, I'm assuming weighs probably close to 100 pounds has a blade on it that's uh, four foot long, and they're standing holding this whole apparatus sideways, cutting through these logs. Uh, this tree right here's got to be, what, probably seven foot in circumference? At least. I mean, it's just a huge tree. I can't even imagine how tough these old loggers were in being able to use this kind of equipment before the chainsaws to cut down these trees. There's a guy down here, he's falling a redwood with a woodsman's saw. And the tree trunk has got to be, I'll bet that's 12 foot across. It's huge. That is huge. I wonder how many times he had to go around in a circle with these saws <laughs> in order to get the whole tree cut. There's just some amazing pictures and some amazing saw blades for, for this saw. That top one's probably 8 foot long, 9 foot long. I, I just I can't imagine how tough you'd have to be in order to, to hold that tough. all day long That's right. and to, to work that saw. But it is cool. I've seen some of these in different museums, but I've never, like I said, I've always thought that they were used just, for just like straight cutting. You didn't pick the whole thing up and mm -hmm. cut. Mm -hmm. And slightly dangerous. I'm assuming if an article of clothing got inside that flywheel, it'd Ooh. suck you in quick. Oh, yeah. I knew logging was dangerous, but I bet they're glad they're wearing their suspenders. Keep everything tucked in. 
Then we come into another display area here where you've got some old radios. You've got some china inside of a china cabinet. And then you have this Florence sewing machine, which is a treadle sewing machine. It's not a Singer. 1800. And it looks way different than any of the other mm -hmm. sewing machines I've seen. It's got an arm that comes up over the top that runs the needle instead of having the needle come down right. through the frame of the mm -hmm. uh, sewing machine. And it's treadle. Uh, it's pretty cool looking little machine. And you said you haven't seen any of these anywhere this else either. This is the either. first Florence that I have ever seen, yeah. I think we saw one at Fort Bridger, but... Uh, at, I, I saw it through a window, did not get to see it up close. Yeah. You can see the little flywheel that's got the cam on it and everything else with this. It's it's a really neat little machine. And then you had a photograph print box. That's very interesting. I still don't understand how it works, but I saw it being worked, so... And this is to make prints of the photographs or yes, from sir. the negatives? Yes. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's to make prints. Um, let's see here. It's, the guy had a professional studio he used that in. Okay. And that's a pretty neat little piece. And let's let's kind of head on back here. We're getting closer to the to the Bigfoot. <laughs> Bigfoot's coming up. We've got a little uh what do they call these pianos? The uh, the square grand piano. I've had to move a couple of those in my flooring installation endeavors and and you see those every once in a while and and it's kind of like a grand all except it's not so big as right. far as the, the this is an 1843 model and you can look at the legs i'd hate to have to clean those <laughs> but they're beautifully carved oh yeah very ornate and then you've got another display case here with some door knobs and some shaving equipment and a beaded purse just some cool things Quite some gun stuff here Right, some old shell boxes and powder horns and a couple of old guns. And then you got rifles up there too, the old rifles. Okay, yeah, there's about five or six old rifles there. Old waffle irons, uh, some really old electrical appliances here. This is pretty neat. A log marker. What did they use the log marker for? That looks like a sledgehammer with, that... It, uh, it looks like a sledgehammer and a meat cleaver kind of combined. <laughs> yeah. All except it's not the nice little aluminum meat cleaver. It's, it's a big, heavy if you notice, sledgehead. If you see any logs being hauled, if you look at the back of the logs, uh -huh. they've been branded. Oh, really? Yeah, they have to brand the logs when they come out of off of property. Okay, so they know where they came from. They brand them, and it's, the, it's generally the people that are doing the logging that have the brands. Okay. And they'll brand it, and then they spray paint over it, so you can see it. And I imagine that's what that is. Okay. So it's got some sort of a design that would identify that as mm -hmm. being that particular landowner's logs. Not, not necessarily the landowner, or corporate. The, the logger. The lo oh, the logger himself. The logger himself, yes. Okay. I'd had, I, I've never even thought about branding logs. Yeah, they brand We're from cattle them. country. I understand <laughs> that. So, yeah, and some neat old containers, some Chippewa evaporated milk, and some old spice containers from Schilling, Nestle's cocoa mix. Now, I, that's, that's old. I don't remember that. And just some different cool boxes. You've got a pack saddle and saddle here. 
for packing in the woods. Just a lot of neat, neat antiques this here in this. This is one of my favorite ones here. What is it? Your irons. Look at that. This is a um, coal burner called a sad iron. Okay. It's and you put hot coals mm -hmm. from the coal in there. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's a pretty big uh, iron. It looks like your normal sad iron with a side on it that's about four inches tall. You lift up the lid on the hinges and put in your coal, and then it's got an exhaust pipe, almost like a, like a car that comes up another four inches and has a 90 degree on it. I'm assuming that's to get rid of the coal smoke so that you're not looking into the coal right. smoke while you're <laughs> trying to do your ironing. And then just several other sad irons and flat irons. Lots of lots of locks, and we were talking earlier uh, about a really cool lantern that you have, a kerosene lantern. She has a kerosene lantern in here. I've not seen any like this. Everybody's used to seeing the kerosene lantern with the bowl on the bottom, and the wick comes up from the bottom and goes out the chimney, just like what you see in all the old movies and everything. This one has a globe that sits out in front of the container. You've got your round kerosene container that's made of tin in the back and it comes on down and has a wick in the bottom of it and the wick comes out the side and you've got a white glass on top of the bowl the chimney. and the chimney and then you've got a clear glass on the bottom so you would put this on your wall and the light would radiate down so if you were had a study or an office or something like that, the light would be a lot more direct than what the old stand-up chimney yep. uh, kerosene lamps would be. I, I'd really like to see this thing turned on because I'm I sure know, that I it would be it would be really cool, the light that it would give. I'm sure that, that the light would be really a, an interesting thing. This is what the, uh, look at the sweat lodge looks like. This was donated to us by some... Um, we have, we have three Native American tribes here. They have the Hoopa, the Yurok, and the Kudaruk. I okay. believe this is a Hoopa. Okay, and it's a sweat lodge. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a, you know. Right. See the... Yeah. Yeah, and they've got... She's got the display here, uh, a wooden display with some rocks around it, and then uh, the center where the sweat lodge or the sweating would actually take place. It's kind of a little, a neat little diorama. Now, you said you had three Indian tribes around here. Yes, we have the Hoopa, which is eleven miles north of here. And what, what are, what are they? Are they? It's just a tribe, or it's is there a, something special with them? It's, or? A, it's the Hoopa tribe. Okay. And then beyond that, the Yurok tribe, and then a little town called Orleans. We have the Kudaruk tribe. Okay. And I was just talking to a gentleman here in town earlier today, and he said that the languages don't mix between those three tribes. Like they're not even close. No. They're all the three different languages. I was learning the Hoopa language because I worked up here at a restaurant and I had a lot of Native Americans come in. Uh -huh. and they were teaching me the, a lot of the Hoopa words. Okay. And they're totally different from what the year I worked with the Yurok Hoopa and the Kudaruk when I ran our local bus company here. Okay. And, and it's so interesting that, that being that close together, mm -hmm. that their language is so totally separated that they can't even understand each other, but they have a lot of the same customs, he said. Yeah, yeah. That's just, I mean, I knew all the tribes had different languages, but I figured that they all kind of blended something. I mean, it's like you can take the, the way that we speak, we can go to England or we can go to Mexico, and even though we don't understand Mexican, we can put a... 
O or a A or a something on it, you know, right. like, and, and be able to figure out some of the words. But it sounds like this doesn't even cross at all. This here is all made out of bark. Okay. Can you believe now, it? Now we're looking at a, at a, I'm assuming this is Polynesian. No. This Native is American, Hoopa? American Native. I don't know. I believe it's Hoopa. Let's see. Um, that's the cooking rocks. But all, all of this here, which I didn't realize till about a month ago, this is all made out of bark. That's the um, skirt is all made out of bark. And it looks a lot like a hula skirt. Yeah. I mean, when I looked at this, I thought, this is kind of a weird place to have a, <laughs> a Hawaiian display. But it's But not. she's got all the bone necklace, like what the Native Americans mm -hmm. would be wearing. And some shell uh, necklaces in her hand. And then she's got on the... What I would say was a hula skirt, but maybe it's a hoopa skirt uh, made of made of grass. This is bark, really bark. Bark, okay. Bark off a tree. They actually shave the bark off the tree and make the skirt. Okay. And what kind of a tree? Do you know that? No. It's just. A, it's just. It, it must I, be the inner bark because it's to, stringy. Right. I'm going to have to find out some more information on this. Because I didn't even know. I thought it was a hula skirt, too. Oh, well, I'm glad I'm not the only no. one making mistakes here. Thanks for that admission. You really didn't have to admit that, but I'm glad you did. I didn't know it was a bark skirt until the lady that owns it um, borrowed it for some young girl to take her pictures with. Oh, okay. And then I felt, oh, okay, that's what that is. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's really cool, too. Wow. I'd have never guessed. Now I'm going to have to look at them all and figure out if I can figure out how to guess it. <laughs> they're made of grass or what? Right. And then we've got a case here that's got a bunch of tools in it. You've got a pulley and a highway, an old highway flare. I'm sure they filled those ones with kerosene and just lit the wick. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, I bet they used those probably until the 40s, 50s. But well, I don't they used know. to use those when I lived down south. Um, my uncle had a orange orchard in Orange Grove. Okay. And they used those out there when the um, freeze would come in. Oh. And light them. Really? Yeah. You wouldn't think they put off enough and I wouldn't, heat I'm not to... that old. <laughs> and then you've got some surveying tour, tour tools and some things like that. And this is all mining here, gold rocks, mining. <laughs> okay. That's all your... And this was a big gold area. Is that what they were finding here? They were finding gold and silver. Okay. And is the mining still going on? No, not local. And plus, it's illegal in California now to dredge, so that killed a lot of it. Oh, okay. And we had dredge in the rivers, so. So do you have weekend panners come up here? Oh, and, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And it's okay? There's not claims that, that you're well, trespassing on if you go to a creek and, and pan? Or generally, it... your claims are marked. They're well marked. Okay. So you just don't want to trespass. On those, but yeah, and people still pulling a little bit of gold out of the rivers and Not stuff. Not that much out of the Trinity. Okay. And now we're getting to why we came. Bigfoot. <laughs> Bigfoot. Okay. Now this film that we were talking about earlier. Patterson Gimlin. That's Patty there. Okay. And that and that's the the Bigfoot that that everybody has yes. pretty much seen. That's her. The the video of. She was over eight foot tall. Really? Yeah. Now, was she only seen once or did a lot of... Now, this happened just north of here, I was told, like mm -hmm. 20 miles, correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not far. Well, a little bit further than that. You have to drive up and then go up, up Buff Creek and then go up in and there's a walk. Not too much of a walk in. Um, when they found that, when they found saw her, 
Roger Patterson was running and taking the picture. Oh, really? And Bob Gimlin was on his POA. Oh, sorry. Ponies of America horse. Okay. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And they got to see her. Okay. Now, was there lots of other sightings also? Not or? so much of Patty. There's sightings all over. Um, over here, if you look over here, we had a local gentleman. His name was Al Hodson. Uh -huh. We called him Al Bigfoot Hodson. Al saw hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of footprints over the years. He took this casting about five years before the Paris and Gimlin film with her. Oh, really? And it was in the same area. Okay. So we don't know if it was her footprint or not, you know. Right. But, yeah. And there's a lot of footprints in here. Yeah, there is. There's a, How many castings do you have? That I don't know because that thing there is full of castings too that we keep. Oh wow, out. she's got a she's got a uh, like a map case. Map case, mm -hmm. yeah, that you would find at your county courthouse that has about it looks like about twelve drawers in it that are four foot by four foot, and she says that those are full of different, different castings. castings, and that's not counting the castings that she has in all of these display cases. She's got. Well, About those, eight or ten display cases. Those over there, that's the gentleman that, the reason we have the Big Firm, that's the Bob Kit Titmus collection. And that's just one guy's collection? Mm-hmm. How many Bigfoot did he see? That I don't know. But he saw, he found a lot of, fi uh, of footprints. Yes, he, a lot of footprints. But he maybe never even saw one? or. He... I don't know. I have not read much. Um, I've started to read that book over there, but it's... Sort of hard to get that case out to get the book to read it, then push the case back. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's a lot of interesting. They're saying now, people are saying, some of the uh, authorities are saying now that it's possible. If you look at Patty, look at the crown on her head. Right. They're saying that she may be related to the Gigantopithecus. Look at the skull, Gigantopithecus skull. Okay, they've got a Gigantopithecus in here. <laughs> and I have no idea what a. Gigantopithecus okay, is, right over here. but but we're looking at a skull that looks very ape-like somehow or another. Read that. That a bipedal hominoid of gigantic size lived in China half a million years ago is evident. Whether an animal of this description is alive today is obviously a different matter. Okay, so this is this is like a, that's her, that's a copy of her skull, and and like the saber-toothed tiger, supposedly extinct. Right. Okay. But we don't know for certain. Right. They're finding, they're finding, um, I don't want to call them animals, but they're finding all kinds of items that they figured were extinct. They're still finding them today. Right. That they're not extinct. Right. It's amazing how they can hide that well, because mm -hmm. it seems like everywhere you go, there's people, and yet... Well, no, come over here and look at this. Okay. This is, we have a lot of wilderness up here. This right. This is Salmon Summit. Okay. There's not going to be a lot of people on that, I guarantee you. No. That's really, really rough. It looks very rugged. That's Trinity Alp Wilderness. Okay. And that's close to here? The Trinity Alps isn't too far away. Mm -hmm. Okay. And and it's a wilderness area, so there's no motorized vehicles or any of that kind of stuff right. allowed in there. So, who you know, who knows really what is hiding in there? Okay. When you think about it, we've got so much wilderness up here. Not just the Trinity Alps, we have other wilderness. And we don't know what's hiding in there, really. Okay. And and th this this picture of the wilderness is right above a display that has all kinds of Bigfoot uh, stuff in it. <laughs> you know, like little Bigfoot dolls. Oh, that's kind of funny. It's a 
tic-tac-toe board, I think. Tic-tac-toe board. Yeah, that's what it looks like with white and kind of a beige uh, Bigfoot with a single big foot that's uh, <laughs> holding him up. Looks like it could be kind of fun. They've got a, a Bigfoot cake pan. I want that. You want that? <laughs> They've got, this looks kind of like Bigfoot, uh, oh, Bigfoot combs. I thought maybe they were fly swatters, but they're a Bigfoot with a little hanger on the back and, mm -hmm. and combs in it. A Bigfoot slingshot, is that what that is? Or, oh, Harry and the Hendersons. Yeah. And then we've got a book over here called Child Life. Oh, look at that. Oh, a Lego box with Bigfoot. Bigfoot. And a bank with Bigfoot. Just a lot of a lot of kids things, and then you look down below, and and there's another display case with coloring books. It looks like some Bigfoot music, a song or something maybe. Just is that sorry with Bigfoot? <laughs> yeah. A board game, just lots of really cool little things, and then we have our our big map box it has all the castings in it now do you bring these castings out when uh scientists or, or yes. cryptologists or whatever yes. show up zoo crypt we zoo. keep it locked because we have lost some things not so much out of the bigfoot room but a lot of our old stuff people get sticky fingers so that's why we keep this locked yeah and we keep all the cases are all bolted and <laughs> wow you just have to, have to do that every museum now, these case, these castings, uh, what do they do? They, they go to different places where Bigfoot's been sighted, or they just go out and hunt these things? or it, They do both. Um, it's like the one I showed you about Hodson's. Al was up there at Bluff Creek long before the Patterson Gimlin film. He had one bag of casting material with him. He saw the footprints, got excited, went ahead and poured the casting material, and then followed the footprints, came back, Picked up the cast and dropped it, so it's got to break it. Okay. And then we have written permission from Al to copy those and sell them, the casts. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Al passed away last year here. Well, these are all interesting because I'm seeing a lot of different... Well, I guess it'd be a lot like a human foot. Some of the toes are long, some of the toes are short. <laughs> you must see some weird ones. <laughs> oh, yeah, those almost look like duck feet. <laughs> but they're monstrous. I mean, these things are... 14, 15 inches long. That, that was out of Oregon. Okay. And they're huge. 1987. Man. And then they've got a, a copy of a of a human foot, I think. Is that a human foot? Or yeah. is that a... Yeah. To kind of put in comparison, but, I mean, there is no comparison. No. No. And there's a small one, but it's still, it's still size 16. And really, really wide. I guess that that's kind of where they differentiate between the the Bigfoot and the human foot is that they're so wide at the at the front end. I've always wanted to see castings of Bigfoot. It's just it's it's always intrigued me since I was a little kid. Okay, who's that? Bob Gimlin. Okay. Pilot Patterson Gimlin film. We had a, a, a symposium up here. There's the okay that in two thousand three. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bob was here. This is the whole crew that was here. Because you've got Dr. Jeff Belden, you've got Bob Gimlin, you've got um, Dr. Bendernagel, Perez, Green, and uh, Vanoff. 
Okay. And they were all here for the symposium. And they're all the they're all the top mm -hmm. studiers of yes. Sasquatch. Well, Dr. Meldrum, he he's the one that authenticates a lot of the pictures and stuff like that. Okay. And is that a big process? Do you know what the process is? I don't know what the process is. I know that when we inherited all that stuff, that um, I've got probably 30 or 40 VCR tapes that show pictures of Bigfoot off in a distance. Uh -huh. And a couple of them even have Dr. Meldrum come on. And, you know, everybody used to carry their VCR camera. Right. And so they, Dr. Jeff Meldrum comes on the, on the uh, VCR tape and says, this is real. Really? Mm-hmm. Now, are we seeing a lot more Bigfoot now that everybody's got their camera in their back pocket? I mean, everybody has a camera now. You would think that, the, that the sightings would be a lot more and a lot a lot better quality. We get a lot of uh, people that call in on their sightings saying that they do, you know, they've seen Bigfoot. A few of them, you wonder what they were smoking. Okay. <laughs> you know, but most of them are, you know, it's like very plausible. Really? Yeah. Very plausible. So huh. it's, it's, it's interesting to hear the story. We have a couple of books up front that we allow people that have had sighting to write their sightings in. Oh, really? And they're fun to read, yeah. I'll bet they are. Yeah, they're really fun to read. Okay, now, can we? do you know a lot about, let's say, Sasquatch's behaviors? I mean, uh, I've, read, I've read different accounts where he's gone in and tore apart a whole logging camp and destroyed <laughs> trucks and tipped them over. I've read stories about him being meat eaters, and I've read stories about abductees that have been abducted by Bigfoot and kept in a cave, and they were able to sneak out when he turned his back. Did you ask him what they were smoking? No, I did not, but I'm assuming, well, I, I shouldn't make any assumptions. This was before any of that was legal, but uh, but no, these accounts go back into the 40s and oh, yeah. 30s and, and some of that. The only thing I know is they do, uh, people that have seen Bigfoot, they, they, they've heard them. They say that they do take like a piece of wood, like uh -huh. a branch, and knock on trees. And I know of people that have done that. Um, we've had people local that have seen that have seen Bigfoot. And of course, Bigfoot's worldwide. He's not just right. He's all over the world. He's Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti, Abdominal Snowman, Ishi Pishy. You know. So there's lots of different. Lots of different names. Yes. Lots of different names. Well, in different colors. I think the Yeti's a white one, isn't it? No, the white one is the abominable snowman. Because okay. they're like our local deer here. In the summer, they're a light color because they blend in with the you know, the bleached grass. In the winter, they're a dark color because the leaves get dark as they fall. Okay. And this is what I imagine the abominable snowman, because he's up in the snow. That's the reason he's white. He's adapted to where he's at. Okay. And so what is the Yeti? Okay. I have to show you up front. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have to show you the different ones. Okay. And of course, Native Americans have been saying for hundreds of years they believe in Bigfoot. Okay. And some of the some of the cave etchings, if you see some of the cave drawings, they'll show a picture of a giant hairy person that they think is a person. They think that the animal he's beside is maybe a miniature one, and then they realize. Maybe this is a Bigfoot, and that's a full-size animal. Wow. Yeah, so we don't know. I mean, you know, we're assuming. <laughs> right, right. This is, this is just way too cool. Then we got a little diorama of Bigfoot on top of a great big rock over a river. And just 
Oh, and then you've got the highlights in Bigfoot history. Read the first one. Okay, I'm, I'm going to probably go down through this whole little list here just because. In 1818, we have the oldest known report of a large, hairy, upright walking creature in a North American newspaper. It was reported in the Exeter Watchman in New York on September 22, 1818. Then in 1850, we have the oldest known West Coast record. In the vicinity of Mount St. Helens, a Bigfoot beckoned to a person who responded by turning and running. Reported by the person's daughter in the publication told by the pioneers, published by the U.S. Work Projects Administration in Olympia, Washington. Then in the 1850s, we had gold prospectors in the vicinity of Mount Shasta, California, seeing hairy giants. A grandson reported his granddaughter, who was one of the prospectors, told him of hairy giants with long arms and short legs destroying a section of Sluiceway, a wooden channel used to transport water for gold. That was reported by the grandson in a letter to True Magazine, published in 1860. In 1870, San Francisco Bay Area report of a Bigfoot. An October 1st article in the Antioch, California Ledger reports the witness was hunting in the vicinity of the Oristimba Creek, about 50 miles southeast of Oakland, California, and found tracks of a barefoot of immense size. The creature later came to his campfire and swung lighted sticks around. Dang, that'd be scary. This report was in response to a wild man story in the September 19th San Joaquin Republican and similar articles in the September 27th Oakland Daily Transcript and the Butte Record. In 1886, we've got the Klamath River Report. January 2nd, 1886 article in the Del Norte County Record published in Crescent City, California tells of a seven-foot-tall creature seen in the area between Happy Camp, California and Marble Mountain in both, both in Siskiyou County. A report of this article was published in the September 25, 1958 Humboldt Times of Eureka, California, in response to a letter by Miss Jessie Bemis, published in the September 19th issue of the Humboldt Times. 1947, the oldest known picture of the Bigfoot track. Bigfoot track. Picture of a 15-inch track taken on a utility right-of-way between Eureka and Cottonwood, California. The picture was published in Sasquatch, The Apes Among Us by John Green in 1978. 1958 is the oldest plaster cast of Bigfoot track. Cast of a 16-inch track made by Jerry Crew while working on a road building project on Bluff Creek near Orleans, California. A copy of this cast is on display right here at this museum. 1958, different sized tracks found in the vicinity of Bluff Creek. In November 1958, Bob Titmus finds and makes plaster casts of 15-inch Bigfoot tracks not far from road building project in Bluff Creek. This points to the conclusion that there is more than one Bigfoot. Original casts made by Bob Titmus are on display right here at this museum. In 1959, there was an expedition to find Bigfoot. Texas oilman Tom Slick. Is that an oil slick? Never mind. Funds the Pacific Northwest Expedition to find Bigfoot. Original personnel were Tom Slick, Ed Patrick, Renee DeHinnon, 
Kurt Johnson and Bob Titmus. And in 1967, we have the first known movie film footage of Bigfoot. On October 20th, Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin film a female Bigfoot in the Bluff Creek drainage. The 55-second film remains controversial, but to this day has not been disproved. Wow. <clears throat> so I'm really enjoying this museum and seeing the stuff in real life that I've read about over the years. I have a hard time understanding if, if I'm a true believer or not, but I have no reason to not believe. And when you look at these castings, what do you say other than, dang, these things are cool. They've got a film over here where they're showing uh, the, is, is this the original film? No, no, no. This is one that we sell. It shows Bigfoot, it shows all kinds of animals and stuff. It helps when people come in with their children, the children aren't interested. Oh. You'll see a whole string of kids sitting on the floor watching the movie. Okay. Okay. But they do show pictures of Bigfoot in it. Cool. And then out back, you took me out back. This is, this is what we've got for the Bigfoot display? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then she took me out back and showed me some different equipment that they had. Went off. Showed me some different equipment that they had and some of that kind of stuff. Uh, you want to go out there and look? I'll unlock it for no, you. No, we're, we're good. I, I got a pretty good look. We had uh, a blacksmith shop and, and some other things there. And so, anyway, well, let's go ahead and wind this down then. I really appreciate you opening up for us, Terry. I know oh, that you've had welcome. a bad fire season this year and, and <laughs> things have been a little bit rough around here. And so I appreciate you opening up for us. No problem. And, glad uh, to have you. Well, I'm glad that we were able to do this. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And as I always say at the end of my podcast, the world is full of wonder. And how can you not wonder about something like Bigfoot? Everybody needs to get out and explore. Maybe even see if you can find your own video. Or your own Bigfoot. Or your own Bigfoot. And have an absolutely wonder-filled day. All the rolling go, where am I to go? Meet Johnny, where am I to go? For I'm a young and a sailor lad, and where am I to go?